0: You are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. I'm glad you guys are here. As Kevin was saying, my name is Danny. I'm one of the speakers, not speakers, one of the leaders here at Pursuit NYC. Um, and it's a real pleasure to be here. I want to thank all of you guys for coming. If this is your first time at Pursuit, can you just raise your hand real quick? I want to show you some love. Come on, give me up? Show you guys some love. Thank you for coming. And so I- I'm excited to share the message for today. I'm actually going to jump right in. Um, I know many of you guys don't know me. I think a lot of you guys here do. I think we might have met a couple of times. But if you guys don't know me, come find me after. I would love to talk to you guys. I would love to meet all of you guys and maybe share some stories. But I want to jump right into today's message. I feel like there's a word that's been stirring in my heart for a while now. The last time I spoke for Pursuit at a monthly gathering was May of 2018, a year ago. And so, I've been waiting a whole year for this moment. I feel like a little kid, right? A little jittery. I feel like it's kind of like a, a final exam, too. I waited a whole year, and I'm finally all prepped and ready to share the word that I feel like God has given to me. So, we're going to jump right into it. Um, bear with me as it just gets settled. But last month, I want to share something real quick. Last month, as Kevin was saying, we do this monthly gathering every month at different locations, but there's a really cool story that happened last month. Last month at our monthly gathering, we had a time where after our services, after our messages, we really believed that God heals, that he heals even right now in this moment, he heals today. And so we made a call, we were like, hey, if you need healing in your body, we want you to come to the front. And so there was this one guy that came, and he had uh, allergies. He had really bad congestion in his nose. So he, he's like, "Yo, Danny, can you pray for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, what's going on?" He's like, "I can't breathe." So we pray for him, and then we're just like, "Yo, bro, can you test it out?" He's like, oh, "I think it got a little better, but I'm not too sure." So I'm like, "All right, we'll keep praying. We'll keep praying." But is there anything else we could pray for you? And then he goes, "Yeah, actually, there is." I have this condition in my knee where, for seven years, it's been bothering me. He, it, there's a, uh, a medical term for it. Too bad I'm not a medical person, but there was a medical term for it. It's like, yo, my knee's been bothering me for seven years. It got to a place where if I were to kneel down, it would hurt right away, so I can't. Danny, can you pray for me? So are like, yeah, man, let's see what God can do. So we sat him down, and we're like, in Jesus' name, all pain in the leg, feel better, you get better, all pain, leave, right? Whatever we have to say, we're praying for his knee, and, Out of nowhere, just like, yo, man, can you test it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh. Wait a minute, Danny. Oh, Whoa, 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 Danny, wait, wait a minute. I wasn't able to do this for seven years. I think it got a little better, right? We're just like, yo, keep testing. He's like, okay. And he's kneeling around and moving while he's kneeling around, right? We're like, yo, man, so how is it? How is it? Listen, this is what he said. For seven years, he was not able to get down on his knees. For seven years, it was bothering him and tormenting him. For seven years, he went about with this pain and the discomfort in his knee, and in a minute, in a moment, God healed him. We got a written testimony. You guys you to check it out in our pursuit page. But he wrote us a legit testimony saying this condition that lasted for seven years, in one moment, in one encounter with Jesus, he was healed. Oh, come on, somebody. Can we give Jesus some praise? So I'm sharing all this because I feel like even for tonight, I feel like there's going to be healing tonight, too. I think there's some people here when I was even just worshiping, I felt pain, pain in my elbow, my left elbow. I don't know who that person is, and I don't know if you feel pain in your left elbow, but I feel like you're going to be healed tonight, too. So anyone who thought that to say, just wanted to share testimonies to stir up faith. But like I said, I want to get into the Word. I want to get into the message. I feel like the way the Lord speaks to me, He speaks to me through seasons. And I feel like the past three months, He's been giving me a word to share. And as I begin to go around sharing more and more, I've been sharing this word. And I feel like the time that we're living in right now, this moment of history, is unlike any other moment of history. I feel like this moment of history that we are in right now is unlike any other moment in history. That the generation that we're actually in, right? Psychologists call it, what do you call it, millennials, Gen Z, and even they don't fully know what to comprehend of it. They're like, yo, this, this generation is weird. We don't know how to fully engage with them. We don't know how to fully talk to them. But I feel like this generation is so unique and so unlike any other generation. And here, here's the reason why I'm saying that. Back in 2016, I was a part of a missions organization where they gave us real-time downloads and real-time data showing us how close we were to completing the Great Commission. Now, if you guys grew up in the church, you would know that the Great Commission was the last thing that Jesus told his disciples. Hey, go into all the nations, disciple every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his disciples those last commands. We call it the Great Commission. And as we were part of this missions organization, they would give us real-time data showing us how close we were. And actually, they said, if we continue at the current trajectory that we are in, the projected date where every single nation and people group on the face of the planet will be targeted is 2025. Six years from now, where every single people group in the face of the planet will be targeted, where there will at least be some type of strategic missions going on. Where every single people group in the face of the planet will now be somewhat targeted and engaged. So I want, I want, to cast, I want you guys to catch the weight of this. For 2,000 years, when Jesus first told the disciples, hey, this is the last commandment I'm giving you. This is your mission. For 2,000 years, believers and people throughout history, church history, have waited for the moment that we're in now. So see, I want you guys to know something. The generation that we're living in now is unlike any other generation. There's something so special going on. Where actually, it changed from a concept to now factual. This actually may be the generation that sees the completion of the Great Commission. Yeah. Isn't that so mind blowing? Two thousand years of waiting for this one moment. Now, here's the thing: each and every one of us, each and every one of us in this room, for some reason, one reason or another, God decided to create us in this moment of history. I want you to think about it. We could have been born in any other moment of history. God could have made me born when Jesus was walking the earth. That would have been pretty sick. I think I would have been like Peter, right? Forget Peter. My name is Danny, right? That's what I would have said. But he didn't. We could have been born in, in the time of the great reformation of the 1500s with Martin Luther and the 95 Theses, but we weren't. We could have been born when America became a country, the United States became a country in the 1700s, but we weren't. We could've been born at the time of 1900s where great revival was sparking around. Revival in Washington, 1904. Revival in Azusa Street, California, 1906. Revival in Pyongyang, Korea, where many of us are Koreans, 1907. We could've been a part of the great move of God of revival swirling across the nations during that time, but we weren't. We could've been born during the Civil Rights Movement, 50s and 60s, but we weren't. And instead, God, In his goodness, in his sovereignty, in his all-knowing plan and purpose, decided to place us into this moment of history. And then now we got to ask the question, then why, right? Then Lord, what is my purpose? God, what is my purpose then? You see, we're not just another number. We're not just another statistic. You're not just another person. There's a purpose as to why you're alive. There's a purpose as to why God created you. There's a reason for your existence. And actually, the truth is, there can only be one you. So, so, I I want you guys to catch the word of what I'm saying, right? Hear me out. There is only one you in this moment of history. There is only one you all throughout humanity. And God decided to place you in this moment of history right here, right now. Even today, y'all could've been doing anything else on a Saturday night. To be honest, I thought this room would've been packed. I don't know what everyone else is doing, right? Y'all could've been doing anything else on a Saturday night. But y'all chose to come to a small church. Not small. Someone's pretty big. I like this church. Y'all chose to come to this church in Palisades Park, the middle of nowhere, listening to a guy you probably never heard before. And you have to begin to ask yourself, why? Why was I created? What is my purpose for my existence? You see, there's a destiny that God has placed inside of you. There is greatness that God has placed inside of you. If you are a believer, he says the Holy Spirit has been deposited in you. Not just so you live an ordinary life. Not so you just live a a comfortable life. Not so you live the American dream. It's too boring. But there's a reason as to why you're alive and why God has created you for a purpose that only you can do in him. See, now, I want to share that because starting about last year, last last summer maybe, last June, right, of 2018, our, our mission statement is revival or bust. In other words, we desire to see God move in this region by sending revival. And I decided to ask the Lord, hey, God, I've been crying out for revival. I've been asking the Lord, hey, God, send revival, send revival, send revival. But last year, I got to a place where I felt like God was telling me, Danny, I want you to study revival. Study revival history. Study revival in the the Bible. And then I'm going to teach you how to specifically pray for revival. So I said, all right, Lord, let's do this, right? So I decided to pick the book of Mark. If you guys know the Mark, not the Mark, Mark is one of the books of the Bible. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to study this book intently. For, for however long it takes, I'm just going to study this book. I'm going to study revival history, and I'm going to study this book of Mark. I began to study, and I began to read it. And there was one place where, for some reason, I don't know how else to describe it. When I got to Mark chapter 5 and 6, I just couldn't move on. I don't know how else to explain it, but it literally felt like the word was alive. I know it sounds weird, but hear me out. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, all scriptures God read. There are moments when you read it and it literally comes alive. That's what it felt like for me. I was reading the gospel of Mark, just reading and reading and highlighting and everything. And I got to Mark chapter 5 and for some reason it was sticking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, what is this, right? So I began to study more and more. I couldn't move on. I just studied it day after day. And and interesting things happened along the way. I remember I was studying it and the word just became so ingrained in my head. And I'm still asking God, God, what about Mark 5 and 6, right? And when I'm home, what I like to do is I like to turn on YouTube. I like to listen to other preachers, like preferably good preachers, and kind of study how they preach and maybe take a couple of their lines, right? I'll be honest. And so I decided, you know, I'm opening up YouTube. And YouTube has recommended videos, and the first video that was recommended was from a church called Elevation Church. You guys probably heard of it, right? Pastor Stephen Furtick. So I'm like, all right, Furtick is pretty cool. So I click it. And what do you know? It's a guest preacher. So I'm like, oh man. But this guest preacher was African American, so I like, he's gonna be real good, right? So I'm just like, alright, let me read it, let me read it, let me listen, let me listen. They could preach, All right? So I'm just like, alright, I'm gonna stick through it. His intro was so good, it was so funny. I'm like, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna use it tonight, right? And I'm just listening and I'm just listening. And he's like, alright, guys, I want you guys to open up your Bible. I'm like, alright, what is he gonna open up to? Mark, what? Chapter 5, huh? Lord, is this a coincidence? He just said Mark chapter 5, the most random video that I clicked. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I listen to the rest of the message, it's a good message, nothing crazy. I'm like, alright, this is weird. Literally the next day, I search up on my phone again, YouTube, and I go to a a church that I really like, Transformation Church. Many of you guys probably heard of the pastor because of his relationship seminar or series, right? And I'm like, alright, I'm going to listen to the sermon of the week for this church. Now listen. It's another associate pastor, so I'm like, all right, he's pretty cool. His intro is crazy good. It's funny, so I'm like, I'm going to use that again, too. I'm listening, and he's like, all right, guys, open up your Bible. I'm like, all right, I'm opening it to Mark. What? Chapter 5. Oh, my God, right? This is no longer a coincidence, and these different things started happening this way. And as I began to study Mark 5 and 6, this is what I believe. I believe that in Mark Mark 5 and 6, I'm going to share on this in a little bit, that there's a key to revival, a key to understanding revival that I don't think we fully talked about yet. If we're serious about revival, I really believe Mark 5 and 6 hold the key to revival as to who God specifically uses to bring about revival. Now, now, here's the thing, right, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, so cut it out on the podcast if I'm not able to, but (laughs) I think revival nowadays is thrown around a lot, right, within the past two years. People have been talking a lot more about revival. and I'm hearing people talk about revival this and revival that. And my heart th- longs for revival. My heart burns for revival. But I think if I'm being completely honest, revival nowadays, the word revival, the term revival, it got real sexy. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yes. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. The term and the word revival got real sexy, it got super sexy. Everyone's saying revival. Yo, you wanna impress someone, say revival. Hey, what's going on, my name is Danny, I'm an accountant, and I'm all about revival. Oh my gosh, it's so (laughs) spiritual, right? You wanna impress the girl you like? You better recognize that when I go to a girl I like, I'm gonna say, hey, my name is Danny, and revival or bust, right? (laughs) It's true. You wanna impress someone, just say the word revival, and everyone's gonna think you're super spiritual. You wanna impress a Korean mama? First, be a Christian. Let them know you're a Christian. And then say revival. Korean word for revival is boom, right? So go up to her. And you're going to say, oh, hello, Danny, boom, right? (laughs) And whenever you say revival, it just becomes a super sexy term. And everyone's talking about revival this and revival that. And I really wanted to know what about revival it was. I began to study it more and more and more. And this is what I'm realizing. This is what I'm realizing. Whether you like it or not, revival is going to come. I believe it with all my heart. There's too many people praying and fasting for revival to come. Not only in this region, but in America. I believe the question is no longer if revival will come, but when. But here's the thing, when revival comes, it's gonna blow everyone's mind because it's gonna be so unlike what everyone thinks. We think revival is gonna be comfortable. We think it's gonna be a little good feeling in our hearts. We think it's gonna be like, oh yes, I feel the Holy Spirit more, right? We think revival is going to make us more comfortable, make us more wealthy, make us more healthy. But I want to show you guys what revival really looks like. The, the natural purest form and the definition of revival means what? What's dead comes to life. Now, this is what Daniel Kolenda. Daniel Kalenda is an evangelist. He's a spiritual son of Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke was an evangelist in Africa. This is a crazy statistic. He himself and his ministry are responsible for leading 70 million people to Christ in Africa, 70 million people to Christ in Africa, their ministry. Daniel Kolenda is a spiritual son of Reinhard Banke. He took over the ministry and he's seen some incredible stuff. He's seen revival. He's been a part of revival and this is what he said. He says, when revival come, what's dead comes to life. Everybody seems to want revival thinking it's a pleasant and enjoyable experience. But to be revived, is to be shaken out of a state of slumber, to be jolted out of apathetic complacency, to be alarmed, awakened, and startled. Too many churches who claim to want revival have a do not disturb sign hanging on the door. A revival that is comfortable is not revival. So when revival comes, guess what? Ooh, you're gonna be so uncomfortable. Ooh. (laughs) When revival comes, it's gonna blow your mind completely. You're understanding Christianity and what it means to follow Jesus, God's going to throw it out the water. When revival comes, you're literally going to have this desire in your heart to hate everything else apart from Jesus. When revival comes to the church, this is what it means. It means believers are reawakened to loving Jesus once again. Where nothing else matters. Sin doesn't matter. Addiction doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. The American dream doesn't matter. Fame doesn't matter. Success doesn't matter. None of those things matter. Where it's all about Jesus. I just want to love you. I want to love you. I want to love you. And from that place of wanting to love God and being so in love with Jesus, we go out into the world and we get to tell others about Jesus. That's what happens when revival comes. Now, it's not a matter of if. I'm saying that again. It's not a matter of if if revival comes. It's a matter of when. The question is... Are you, or are you not going to be a part of it? Yeah. That's the question. You see, when I began to experience personal revival in my heart, I'm telling you, I could not keep Jesus to myself. When I began to experience personal revival in my heart, literally everywhere I went, I just had to tell people about Jesus. Us and our team, we got some crazy stories. Seriously, we're, we're literally, we're nobody, right? We're just average people, average joes. I take it back, we're not average, we're sons, right? Amen. <laughs> But we're just, we're, we're people, we're sons just like you guys, daughters just like you guys. And we go around because we have this burning desire in our heart because we've experienced personal revival to tell other people about revival. Can I share a couple of stories with you guys? Yeah, is that cool? Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. One time, this was what, January of this year, we were in Kansas City. We pulled up to a Sonic drive-thru because Sonic has the best burgers in my opinion. So we pulled up, and if you've been to Sonic, you know that you order through the drive-thru menu, but a person comes out to bring it. I think it's the best service ever. And so we ordered a lot of things, and this young girl, she's very, very sweet. She comes out, and she's like, "Hey, here's your order." And out of nowhere, we just have the desire to tell her about Jesus. So we get to tell her, "Hey, quick question," because we felt like God was asked, God was giving us a, a piece of His heart for her. That she was a, a painter, an artist. So we're like, "Hey, do you draw or paint by chance?" She's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it." How'd you know? Why? Why do you ask? So we begin to tell her, "Well, now that you ask, <laughs> did you know that Jesus really loves you? That God loves you so much?" And. Turns out she was a believer. She's like, oh my goodness, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, right? And we're just encouraging her, and we're like, hey, can we pray for you? want to pray for you, want to bless you. So we begin to pray for her, and as we pray for her, God gives us direction. God speaks to us, gives us directions to bless her financially. So we're like, all right, after we're done praying, we hand her a, a bit of cash that we had, and we're like, hey, I don't know why, but as we were praying, we felt like God wanted to bless you financially. And she literally starts to break down crying. She's like, ooh, right? She's an ugly cry where you look ugly, right? We're like, yo, yo, what's going on? What's going on? It's like, you don't understand. I just found out two days ago that I was pregnant. Me and my husband, we just got married less than a year ago. We don't know how we're going to raise this child. But you giving us this financial blessing shows that God provides. Right? That's the truth, right? She gets wrecked. We have other stories too. Let me share some other stories because I'm getting so excited right now. We went to a cheesecake factory, what, maybe about a year ago. And we're just having lunch or having dinner, enjoying each other's company. And our waitress, she comes over to us. I forgot her name, right? I think it was, the, not Delilah. I forgot her name. <laughs> it wasn't Delilah. <laughs> she comes up to us and she's serving us. And you can tell her face is a little down. And we begin to pray and we wanted to share what we felt like God was saying about her, right? So we sit her down and we're like, hey, can we just talk to you? And I don't know, we, we just start to pray for her. We're like, hey, can we pray for you? And we're praying for her. And God begins to tell us that he loves her family a lot, that he really loves her parents more than she does. So we shared, we're like, hey, I don't know if this makes sense, but um, we just felt like God was saying that he really loves your parents, and that he really loves your family even more than you do. Once again, she braced out. Oh, she does the ugly cry in the restaurant. Oh, she, here's the thing, she's our waitress. She's our server. She's sitting on our tables. Two guys are praying for this one girl. She's bawling. Everyone in the restaurant is looking at us. What's going on? And we look at him. Revival, right? No, no, we did it, we did it. We're like, oh, you guys are next to right? She gets wrecked. She gets blessed. She encounters Jesus. We go in again a few months later, and she recognizes us right away. She's like, hey, y'all are the one that prayed for us, right? Yeah, you're the one that got wrecked, right? (laughs) See, God's doing something. When we experience personal revival in our hearts, we can't keep it to ourselves. And we have the desire to let people know about Jesus. So here's the thing. When revival comes to the church, when revival comes to believers, guess what? We're gonna have this undying love to tell people about the Lord. Now, when I get married in the near future, amen, (laughs) amen. Oh, come on, I need people to say amen in faith, amen. When I get married in the near future, I don't know when that is, Lord, you know. But here's the thing, when I get married in the near future, you better believe and you better realize that I'm gonna love my wife with everything I got. And this thing on my finger, on my ring finger, or ring, is gonna show that I'm committed to my wife, that she's committed to me, that we're one, that I love her dearly, and that everyone I talk to, I'm going to let her know, hey, my name is Danny, that's my wife. Hey, my name is Danny, I'm her husband, right? Everywhere I go, I'm just going to let people know, what, I'm drinking coffee, I'm going to go like this, right? <laughs> I'm preaching, I'm going to preach like this, right? In the same way, why? Because I love my wife so much, my future wife, who I don't know yet. But from a place where I just... Love her so much, and I love her, and I love her, and I love her. I can't keep it to myself. That's actually what happens when revival comes to our church. That's what happens when revival comes to you guys. We can't keep it to ourselves. Now, here's the thing. Once again, I said it. Revival is coming. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? The question is, are you going to be an usher of revival, or are you going to be an audience in revival? Come on. Did you know that you guys have a decision to make? You guys actually, according to the Bible, can make a decision. Whether or not you'll be an usher of revival, of revival or an audience in revival. Whether or not you'll be a spectator or a promoter. Whether or not you'll be a part of it or you'll be a bystander. Biblically speaking, I'm going to show you guys in a bit. You guys have a decision to make. And in about 30 minutes, I'm going to make a call where each and every one of you guys will have to make a decision. Are you or are you not all in for Jesus? Is it? Trust me. The call is not for me to feel good. I already feel good about myself, if you can't tell. I'm happy. I feel real good. But the question is, will you or will you not be a part of the revival that's about to come? Now, I want you guys to open up to Mark chapter 5. Mark 5, Mark 5. And I'm going to be reading. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. If not, I'll just be reading it for us. Mark 5, verse 21. All right, I'm going start with When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd, can everyone say large crowd? Large crowd. He gathered around them while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with them, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. A large crowd, everyone say large crowd. Large. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, Don't be afraid and just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is so important. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but she's asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were there with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Can everyone say 12? At this, they were completely astonished. She gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told him to give her something to eat. Let's keep reading. Jesus then left and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who were with him, many who heard him, were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I'm almost done. Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12, and I'm going say 12 one last time. To him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I'm gonna explain this to you guys. The way my mind works, to be honest, words don't really work in my mind. Um, if you know me, you'll realize that. I have a hard time with words, and so I like pictures and I like drawings and I like stories, right? So I'm, I'm gonna tell this story to you guys and I'm gonna point out a couple of things. So here's what's happening. Jesus, we know he's Jesus, son of God came to to earth, save us from our sins, right? Now Jesus, his ministry just begun. This is the beginning of his ministry. And now word's getting around that he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's raising the dead. So now people are talking, yo, 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 you heard about the man? What, What man? The man that raised the dead. Oh, what's his name? Jesus. Yo, 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 you heard about the man? What man? The man that's casting out demons. Apparently there was a thousand demons in one man, and he got casted out right away. Well, what's his name? Jesus. Now words getting around, words getting around. Jesus' reputation is growing more and more. And that's why Jesus is now at a place where it's popular. Jesus is, is, is popular. You can see it. a large crowd was gathering around him. And it says, Jesus, when he began to the ministry, a large crowd. Usually the whole village, which would mean about maybe about a thousand or so people, if not more, would come and they would be circled around Jesus. And the story goes on. One guy by the name of Jairus, who was a religious ruler, a religious leader, came to Jesus and was like, Jesus, 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 can you please come with me? My daughter's dying. Please, can you come with me? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I'll go with you, man. And they're walking and they're walking. once again, it says the large crowd was with Jesus. So he's walking and he's walking in. A large crowd is around them, and now the story kind of shifts a little bit. And, and the point of view becomes the place of a woman who has the it just said she was bleeding for 12 years. Kind of like that guy who had a seven-year injury, right? She was bleeding for 12 years, and now this is what's going on, going on in her mind. She went to all the doctors, she tried all the solutions, but she got to a place where she was so desperate. She got to a place where she was so sick and tired of being sick and tired, where there was no other way, and she began to ship about this man named Jesus who cast out demons, who was healing the sick, who raised the dead. And she's like, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his clothes. Now, here's the thing that you guys need to realize. For that culture in that time, people thought that because the woman had a 12-year bleeding injury, they thought it was her fault. That's, that's just how they thought. They thought it's because she sinned, and the result of her sin, of punishment, was her bleeding for 12 years. Or they thought it was actually her parents and her ancestors' fault. They said because they sinned, she's getting punished for it. So think about what's going on. Legally, by religious laws, people can actually spit on her. If she's in public, people can say People can throw stones and actually throw it at her. They weren't able to legally do that. So what's going on in her mind? She has a physical illness that she needs healing from. But not only that, now her identity is messed up. She doesn't think she's loved. She's no longer a part of a community, of a family. And she got to a place of desperation where she's like, if I could just touch Jesus, if I could just touch Jesus. And she does. And the Bible says she felt like she was free from her suffering. She was healed instantly. And Jesus is the gangster. He's like, yo, someone touched me. (laughs) I felt power in my body. Who touched me? And his disciple was probably Peter. He's like, yo, Jesus, what are you talking about, yo? Got a thousand people around you. He touched you, she touched you, me touch you. <laughs> we all touched Jesus. What are you talking about? But Jesus' is like, no, 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 no. Ah, no, you don't understand. Someone touched me with faith. Someone touched me with desperation. Someone touched me because they were hungry. Someone touched me because they got to a place where they needed me. They weren't just doing it for religion, but they needed me. They wanted an encounter. And finally, this woman's like, yo, yo, Jesus, it was me. Jesus, it was me. Hey, I want this to encourage some of you guys. Jesus can spot out faith even in a crowd. Wow. Jesus can singularly spot out one person's faith even in a crowd. So when you go back to work Monday morning and all of your coworkers are, are saying things they should have say, yo, beep, yo, y'all partied up this past weekend, beep. And you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, what am I doing here? I'm the only believer. Guess what? Jesus can spot your faith. When you're the only believer in your family and everyone else isn't a believer, they're not walking with the Lord, and you're the only person who loves the Lord in your family, guess what? Jesus can spot out the faith. Come on. Can I say something a little, uh, maybe controversial? Some of you guys are going to go back to church tomorrow, and you're already going to be the only one who has a passion and a desire to live fully for Jesus. And other people are going to say, Yo, why do you worship like that? <laughs> you're too passionate. Can you quiet down? You're not even singing on key. <laughs> you're too radical. No, 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 no! I love Jesus. You understand? I love Jesus. Jesus can spot out faith. I just want that to encourage some of you guys, because some of you guys need some encouragement in this moment. You are the only one running hard after God, and sometimes you wonder, "Am I weird for that?" Nope. You just have faith. Jesus can spot out faith in the crowd. Now, this is what he says. He says, "Daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you." So in that moment, she got she got physically healed, her bleeding stopped. When he said, "Daughter," guess what that did? Her identity issue that she had. Thinking that she wasn't loved, thinking that she had nowhere to belong. Guess what Jesus did? He restored that too. Your faith has made you well. Remember, I told you guys that people around her thought that it was because of her sin that made her sick? When he said, Your faith has made you well, what did he do? He restored her back to community. So Jesus just did a full healing, a full miracle, a full restoration, a full revival. And we keep reading. Now, Jairus, right? The main person. Think about how he was feeling the whole time. Oh my goodness, Lord, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. Jesus, oh my goodness, woman, you were bleeding for 12 years. Wait two more days. (laughs) Right? Jarvis is probably so impatient. My daughter's dying, my daughter's dying, and finally word comes to him. Hey, Jarvis, don't bother Jesus anymore, man. I hate to break it to you, but your daughter's dead. Oh. You mean she died? Yeah, man. Wait, wait, we're so close. What do you mean she's dead? And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus overheard it. He listened to Jairus straight in the eye. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. Yeah. This is crazy what happens next. Remember I told you a large crowd was with Jesus? Guess what Jesus said? Y'all, the large crowd, the fans of religion, the ones that just want to see another miracle. The ones that aren't willing to give everything up to follow Jesus, they just want to be a part of the crowd. Guess what? You guys aren't allowed to come. The Bible says that. Read it. He says, Jesus did not let anyone in the crowd come with him. And in fact, there was only three people, three individuals that were able to go with Jesus to Jairus' house. Peter, James, John, the disciples, his true followers. So think about what's happening. He kicks out the fans. He says, no, y'all ain't coming with me. And he says, "But you followers, you three, my disciples, you come and with me." The story continues. They go to Jairus' house, and people are crying and they're wailing. And once again, just like, "Yo, yo, guys, don't cry, don't, don't wail." She's not dead. She's just asleep. And the Bible says this. the crowd once again they laughed at him. <laughs> Jesus, you crazy, yo? <laughs> she has no more. She has no more. What do you call it? Do, 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 right Host. Right words are hard for me. I like pictures. I told you. Ah. <laughs> Jesus, like, yeah, hey, yeah. Crowd, fans, he says it again. You can't come. He literally kicks everyone out. And the only people that are in the room with the dead girl is Jesus, the mother, the father, and who else? Peter, James, and John, his disciples, his followers. They are the only ones that actually saw a revival take place. A literal revival where what was once dead comes to life. First key. The only ones who got to experience a revival that day, apart from the parents, were the followers. Three to be exact, his disciples. Every other fan and people in the crowd that were also with him, Jesus didn't let them come in. So the only ones that got to experience revival, his followers. Now the story keeps going. Oh, it's gonna get so good. The story keeps going, Jesus goes to his hometown. I don't think many days have passed, It's, it's a continuation. He goes to his hometown, and people are once again like, yo, 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 who's this man that can speak so good? He's kind of like Danny, right? Just kidding. Is that Jesus? Wait, wait, wait. Yo, but that's Jesus. That's Mary's son. That's Joseph's son. That's James' brother. Those are his sisters. That's the carpenter. And the Bible said that the crowd, the people, once again, they took offense at him this time. So I went to, the, I went to catch what's going on. The crowd, they laughed at him. They mocked him and now they're taking offense at him. And this is the only geographical location where the Bible itself says Jesus could not do many mighty miracles. Did you know that? The only geographical location where God himself could not do many mighty miracles. So guess what? The crowd once again, they missed out on a miracle. They missed out on a revival. Now crazy thing happens next. It's a continuation. I told you, there were three number 12s that came up. The woman bleeding for 12 years. The little girl that was dead, when she was 12 years old. The other, only other part where the number 12 actually comes up is found in, in chapter 6, verse 7. Where Jesus, after they experience all this, calls the 12, the 12 what? Disciples, followers. Gives them authority over impure spirits to clean, to, to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And he sends out the 12. So, I want you to catch what's going on. There's two groups here. I'm, I'm about to make my first one. There's two groups here. There's the fans, the fans of religion, and there's followers of Jesus. There's the crowd that are just want, they just want the benefits of Christianity, if we're being honest. They want the health, the wealth, and they want to go to heaven. And then, are the followers who gave everything up to follow Jesus. Now, hear what's going on. This is crazy. Hear what's going on. The crowd are the same people that when when their comfort is challenged, when the status quo of their comfort is challenged, this is what they do. They complain, they compromise, and they grow complacent. People who grew up in the church, let me remind you, these are religious people. They grew up in the church. They read their Bible. They go to church every single week at the time of Sabbath, right? Synagogue. They pray their prayers. These are the same people. That when Jesus came and challenged their understanding and status quo, their comfort, what did they do? They complained. Yo, Jesus, what do you mean she's dead? What do you mean she's dead, Jesus? I mean, what do you mean she's asleep? She's dead, right? I'm getting mixed up. Jesus, what do you mean she's asleep? She's dead. Yo, 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 that, that's Mary's son. That's Joseph's son. He's the carpenter we grew up with. He's not a miracle worker. He just cuts trees. When they're challenging their status quo, it's challenge. Of the comfort is challenge. They begin to complain. They begin to compromise. Now, normalizing sin. Oh, Jesus, you can't do that. Jesus, what do you mean I got to give everything up to follow you? What do you mean? I just wanted to follow you just so go to heaven. Because I heard in hell people stab you for eternity. But I just wanted to go to heaven, right? That's why I believe in Jesus. I'm not going to lie. My mama told me, Danny, if you go to hell, you're going to get stabbed forever. I said, heaven it is. <laughs> it wasn't for the love of Jesus. I just did not want to get stabbed. I don't know about you guys. But I just wanted the benefits of Christianity too. They compromised their righteousness. They compromised right, righteousness for sin. The same people that when Jesus began to challenge their comfort are the same ones in today's generation. Yo yo Jesus. What do you mean, Danny? What do you mean I can't I can't do drugs? What do you mean, Danny? What do you mean I can't chase the American dream? Danny, what do you mean that I can't try to be successful and have faith and have a reputation? What do you mean I can't be wealthy and live in comfort? What do you mean, Danny? Well, I mean, the Bible says that if you want to follow Jesus, you got to pick up your cross daily. Danny, Danny, you don't understand. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Danny, what do you mean? Jesus, what do you mean that marriage is still between a man and a girl? I get laughed at simple churches for saying that now at least. Danny, what do you mean? Jesus, what do you mean that marriage is between a man and a woman? That's what the Bible says. Listen, you will not get me to normalize sin for your comfort. Hear me out, I do not care. You will not get me to normalize sin for your comfort. I love you too much. Jesus loves you too much for you to live in sin, for you to be comfortable. Breathe. Hear me out. Now people, when, when their comfort gets challenged, the fan and the crowd, when their comfort gets challenged, they begin to complain, they compromise, they try to make sin normal just so they don't feel bad about themselves. And then now they grow apathetic and complacent. We got one the fans. We got one room, the ones who just want to catch in on, on all the hype, all the glory. Did you know in a little bit, in a little while, the story continues where Jesus, it's his final week, and in about a week, he's about to be crucified dead. He comes into the city of Jerusalem, where people are taking palms, they're waving it up and down, saying, Hosanna, 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 hail the king, Hosanna, hail the king, the king is here. The Savior is here. You're saying that about Jesus. A week later, the same crowd, or the same crowd and the same people that are saying kill him, crucify him. He's a heretic. Why? Because their comfort got challenged. Because their status quo of comfort got challenged. Let Let me tell you guys something. That's what happens when revival comes. Your comfort will be challenged. The status quo of your comfort will be challenged. And you will have a chance to respond. You can respond in complacency, Complaining and compromise like any other fan of Christianity or You can be a follower I'm gonna talk about it in a, in a bit we Give everything up to follow Jesus now here's the thing growing up. I grew up in the church I don't know why my voice my mouth is so dry <laughs> I grew up in the church Ever since I was born ever since I literally popped out my mom I grew up in the church I don't think I've missed a single week ever until I was like 21 Right? I was a righteous person. I was a good Christian boy. Went to church my whole life, read my Bible, prayed my prayers. I did everything right. But like I said before, I never had a relationship with Jesus. I just wanted the benefits of Christianity. I just wanted the benefits of what it means to get eternal life. Like I said, my mom said, "Dad, if you go to hell, you burn, you get stabbed. I said, no, thank you. Heaven, it is. See, I wanted the benefits of Christianity without paying the price. I was a fan, I was the crowd. I just wanted to to get caught up in the hype and the glory of what's going on without actually committing, without giving everything up to follow Jesus. That is why in church I was a good Christian boy. But that is why when Monday through Saturdays, when I was with my friends, I got drunk. I did drugs. I lived a super promiscuous lifestyle. Here's the other thing. I made money. I got the wealth. If I continued what I was working on, I would have made six figures a year as an 18, 19-year-old boy. I had the fame, I had the reputation, people all over K-Town knew me. I could go to any bar and any restaurant I want, Danny, come in. I'm not making this up, I'm so serious. I had the dignity, I had the success, I could make my parents retire. I had the American dream. I had literally everything I wanted. But I came to a place where I realized something's still missing. There has to be more to this gospel than simply saying, I wanna go to heaven. That's why I'm gonna go to church. And I realized something. I can no longer do this double life anymore. I can't live for the world one day and live for Jesus another. It doesn't work like that. So I got to a place where I was really questioning and questioning and questioning. Now, here's the thing I want you guys to understand. Christianity as a religion is so popular in America. Do you know a recent poll came out in 2018? You guys can research this, and it'll show all throughout. A recent poll, a recent survey in 2018 came out where Christianity as a religion, guess what? 70% of Americans would identify themselves as Christian in America. 70% would identify themselves as Christian. Here's the thing. If every single one of those believers were to reach one other non-believer to the Lord and lead them to Jesus in one year, did you know America would be 100% Christian (laughs) nation In one year, if all you did was reach one person, for the Lord, that did not know Jesus, America will be 100% Christian nation. Statistically, it shows Christianity in America is super popular. They want the benefits of Christianity. Why? Christianity promises good health, good wealth, heaven. But we know that's far from the truth. We know even though 70% say they're Christians, the truth is they're not really followers of Jesus. It's not a place to judge, but it just shows why there is still injustice at an all-time high. Crime rates at an all-time high. Society is not being transformed. Bergen County, I'm sorry to say this, it does not look like the kingdom of God. Families are still broken. Divorce rates are still going up. Abortions at an all-time high. So what is going on? We know that people are in love with the idea and the concept of Christianity. They love it. You get, you get, a, you get a one-way ticket to heaven. You get a one-way ticket to eternal life. You get a one-way ticket to Golden Streets. But here's what they're missing out on. That's not the Bible. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a counterfeit gospel going on around America. I need you guys to know something. You can be a fan. You can live your life as a fan all you want. Live in complacency, live in comfort. Chase the American dream. Good health, good wealth. Yup, Danny, I'm gonna go to a good college. I'm gonna get a great job, make a lot of money, retire my parents, live comfortably, buy a Maserati, but that's too expensive, The Toyota will do, right? A house. And you get to a place where you're so comfortable, and you know what, by the time I'm 70, I'm going to retire, and and I'm going to give to the church, I'm going to serve the church, I'm going to go on a couple mission trips, I'm going to feel good about myself. Newsflash, that ain't the Bible, that ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's one group, the fans, I'm almost done. There's another group, the followers. Like I said, three things took place that day. A woman bleeding for 12 years was healed. A girl who was 12 years old was resurrected. And 12 disciples, followers were sent out to do the will of God. Did you know that when the story continues on, if you grew up in the church you will notice, when Jesus dies and he goes back to heaven, revival came the next week. But it came through 120 followers of Jesus Christ. When they got the Holy Spirit, revival came where the very next day 3,000 people were added to their number. So I want you guys to catch this. When revival comes, God is not going to give it to the fans. The fans will be audiences of what's going on. The spectators, they'll just be spectating revival. Those who God will use to be a vehicle and a vessel for revival are those who are followers. So what does it mean to be a follower, Danny? One thing only. One thing, and that's what we see. It means give everything you have to follow Jesus. Gave every single thing you have up to follow Jesus. Your career, you give it up. These guys were fishermen and tax collectors before Jesus says, come follow me. Their wealth, they gave it up. Their comfort, they gave it up. Their life, they gave it up. Did you know that all 11 original disciples besides Judas, besides John too, they were all persecuted for their faith. Literally all died because of the belief. Peter, it says, history says, he was even hung upside down on the cross because he was like, I am not worried to die like my Savior. They gave everything out to follow this man in Jesus. Their comfort, their wealth, their, their security, their career, their dignity, their pride, their reputation, the honor, even their life. But who did God choose to use to send and spark a revival that started the first churches of this world? The disciples, the followers. Now, now, many of you guys are questioning Danny, Danny, so it, 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 I'm a fan. What does that mean? Does it mean that I can still go to heaven? Great question. Great question. There's a story in Luke 18. It talks about a rich young ruler. A rich young ruler who had everything. He grew up in the church, super religious. He had wealth. It says that he was so wealthy and had a lot of possessions. Not only possessions, he had people working under him. So he had the honor, the dignity, the reputation, the fame. Everyone probably loved him. He comes up to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, good teacher. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus is like, yo, yo, yo. You got to, don't murder don't steal. Don't commit adultery. And honor your parents and mother. Honor your parents and mother. Wow. Honor your mother and father. And he's like, yeah, I did all that, Jesus. Ever since I was a little boy, I've been doing that. Jesus says one thing to him. He says, all right, good. But there's still one thing you haven't done. Give everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have riches in heaven and come follow me. Hear me out. A oh, man who had everything get some personal direction from Jesus, invitation from Jesus, give everything I have to the poor, to follow Jesus so I can get riches in heaven. Now, now, he's, he's contemplating. Do I want to be a fan or do I I want to be a follower? See, if I'm a fan, that means that I can keep my money, I can keep my reputation, my dignity. I mean, I have a great job. People work for me. People like me because I'm a ruler. I can, I can live in comfort. I can probably retire at the age of 50, but 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 if I follow Jesus, it means I got to give everything up. I got to give everything I have to follow Jesus. I got to give all my possessions, all my wealth, all my security, all my fame and reputation and dignity, and the desire to live a comfortable, normal, average, ordinary life. I' got to give all that up to follow Jesus and what's the reward? Rich is in heaven. So think about it. He's contemplating, he's contemplating, he's contemplating. Do you know what the decision that he made was? The Bible says he walked away from Jesus. The Bible says that a rich young ruler who thought he had eternal life walked away from Jesus. You know what that means? It doesn't matter if you honor your mother and father. It doesn't matter if you did not commit murder, if you did not commit adultery. If you do not give everything up to follow this man named Jesus, guess what? You will not have eternal life. That's the invitation Jesus gave, and the man rejected it because he thought this side of the world, this side of our our life, this side of history was better than eternity with Jesus. That's the story. Here's the thing. This represents many people in America right now, many believers in America. We think we gave everything up to follow Jesus. You take away their car, see what they say. You take away their job, see what they say. You say, hey, give everything you have to the poor see what they say. And you will know what Jesus they serve, not the Jesus that I read about. I don't know what Jesus they serve but it ain't my Jesus. I don't know what God they're idolizing, but it's not the God of the Bible that I'm reading about. Because Jesus' invitation is simple. Come, follow me, pick up your cross, and die daily. Can we get the worship team back up? I'm about to close this thing too. Some of you guys falling asleep on me. (laughs) It's a little rain. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'll say a couple more things. I told you guys, being a fan of Christianity is so popular. There are many fans to the religion of Christianity. There are many fans who want the benefits of Christianity, who wants to go to heaven, who wants eternal life, but they're not willing to pay the cost. Many fans for Christianity, a few followers of Jesus Christ. Many people who like the concept and the the thought of Jesus, a few people who have said they will follow Jesus by giving everything up. Many people who want the benefits without paying the cost. A few followers whose reward is just Jesus. They give everything up to follow Jesus. Now I want to show a picture. Ann, can we get that picture up? I don't know if you guys know who this man is. Do you guys know who this man is? Back in November of 2018, this man right here, his name is John Allen Chow. and uh, He was 26 years old and he made every major headline on every major broadcasting TV network Fox News, CNN, which even stands for constantly negative news, decided to show a picture of him. Every single major TV news station, the headline was about this man, John Allen Chow, American missionary, killed in an attempt to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to an unreached island. That's what the headline of CNN says. They never say anything good. (laughs) But this is what it said for the first time in decades line of every major news station was about a man named John Allen Chow who gave everything up, an American missionary who gave everything up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He got killed in an attempt to bring the gospel and the love of God to a people group in an island, a small island right off the Indian Ocean. They never had contact with humans before. And John Allen Chow, who loved Jesus so much, who had a burning desire to just live for him, who couldn't keep it to himself, he experienced personal revival, said these people, they do not know Jesus. If they don't, there's only one way they're going, to hell. Someone has to go to tell them about Jesus. Someone has to go to let them know about the good news of Jesus Christ. Someone has to go to let them know that there is a man who has died and given everything up so that they can have an eternal relationship with him. John Allen Chow answered a call, November of 2018. For months he was strategizing, for months he was praying. He got off the boat as soon as he stepped onto shore. Reports say that he was stabbed with the spear. He was killed. Even till this day, his body cannot be retrieved because it's such an unreached people group. Now, here's the thing. people who watched the news station and people who were listening in. Um, um, There was mixed reviews. Many many non-believers were saying, wow, what a noble man. Wow, what a man who was so noble, who had a reason to live and had a reason to die. He found something worth living for, something to die for. And then there was another side of non-believers saying, oh, he was foolish. What was he thinking? He was still so young. He still had a lot of life left in them and that was given it was a bunch of non-believers they just didn't know but what made me sad what really broke my heart was that the church and believers their response was what a fool what a freaking idiot you can read the reviews you can read the responses online if you want the church believers those who claim that we love Jesus were willing to give everything up to follow Jesus their response was what an idiot what a fool How naive. What was he thinking? Was he trying to colonize them? Why didn't he think this through? And the people that said that were pastors, youth pastors, seminary deans, the leaders of our Christian faith today. They said he was an idiot. He was too naive. He was too reckless. What was he thinking? If only he actually studied the word. Well, my fault, Mr. Dean. Maybe I missed out on the part of the Bible where Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to come and die. My fault, you pastor. Maybe I missed the part of the Bible in Revelation chapter 12, 11, where it says we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. For they loved their lives not even as their own, even unto death. My fault, Pastor. Maybe I missed a part in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says our heroes of faith were tormented and tortured, and even though they had a chance to be released, they refused to. The world did not deserve them. Maybe I missed that part. But for the first time in decades, a man who was living the gospel of Jesus Christ, who found a reason to give everything up to follow this man named Jesus, was the response of the church. What an idiot. reckless. See, Christianity has too many fans, man. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Fans do not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know where you guys are at right now. I don't know how you guys grew up. Maybe you were like me. You grew up in the church and you had all that stuff in your mind. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not live a comfortable life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an invitation to come and die. Because when we die to ourselves, we can truly live in Christ. There is a counterfeit gospel going on in America. And it says you can be a Christian without giving everything up. There's a counterfeit gospel going around in America right now. That says you can be a Christian without picking up your cross daily. There's a counterfeit gospel in America right now that says the American dream is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And I am so sick and tired of it because Satan is taking too many lives right now, thinking they are living for Jesus, when in fact they are not. I can't say this if I do not love the people that I'm ministering to. I'd rather just share a good message that makes you feel good. You go home and say, yes, I'm good. But that's not love, that's not the Bible, that's not the Gospel. And I have no other way to do it, but I refuse to water down the Gospel of Jesus Christ for your comfort. I refuse to normalize sin so you can be comfortable. I don't know about you, but I made a decision in 2012 that no matter the cost, I will follow Jesus with everything I got. If it means people ridicule me, so be it. If it means people make fun of me, so be it. If it means that I got no more friends, no more followers, no more whatever, I don't care. Because I found someone, his name is Jesus, that is worth living for and worth dying for. Not 50%, not 70 not 90% of my life. Not Sundays, not Saturdays and Sundays, but all of me. I found him. For the first time ever in my life, you don't understand, I was so depressed, I wanted to kill myself. People made fun of me all the time. Growing up, I was bullied for being Asian I said, I hate my life, I hate my life, I hate my life. They call me Yao Ming and Chino. I said, no, I'm Korean, right? Bullied all through my life. But for the first time, I found someone that welcomed me and approved me and says you're loved, just the way I created you. Now, the invitation is this. is not, the invitation is not for you to come to church every Sunday. To be honest, I'm going to be up. I do not care about that. That should be a spiritual discipline. That shouldn't be just a decision to make. The question is, the invitation is not pray a little prayer, Jesus I welcome you into my heart I've done that so many times I've done that 17 times, I'm counting <laughs> the question is, will you give Jesus a part of your life that's not the invitation the invitation for you guys in this room tonight is this will you give everything up to follow this man named Jesus is he worth living for is he worth dying for whatever the cost Whatever the cost. Did you know before 2012, this just blew my mind, the Lord just spoke to me in worship. In 2012, before 2012, Palisades Park, the city that we're in, did you know that I partied it up here? They were famous for NRV, which stands for Dorebang, which stands for karaoke. <laughs> and me and my friends, we would go and just drink the night away and do drugs and literally I would lead people away from Jesus. That was what I was doing. Seven, eight years ago, I was in the business of leading people away from Jesus. But when I met Jesus and gave everything up to follow him and was filled with the Holy Spirit, seven years later, I stand in Palisades Park in front of you guys, leading people to Jesus. That is what happens when you give Jesus your everything. You give up your depression for joy. You give up hopelessness for hope. You give up unfulfillment for satisfaction and longing and fulfillment that is what happens when we give everything up to follow this man named Jesus. One last thing that makes the followers stand out. Jesus chose to guard his Holy Spirit on only his followers, not the fans. It was only the followers of Jesus Christ, those who emptied themselves completely, those who gave everything up. They were the only ones that were able to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter, the same Peter that saw a revival take place with the little girl racing life. Fast forward, and the same Peter on the day of Pentecost stands and says, guys, you guys who killed Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, guess what? He is your Savior, and he died for you. Now repent and believe and be baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the number. Revival. The disciples and the followers, the only one, that received the Holy Spirit. The fans, I'm sorry, they did not. The Holy Spirit, when Jesus Himself said it's God's gift, the Father's gifts to us as children, the followers, the disciples were the only ones that got it. In a few minutes, I'm gonna make a call. I'm gonna give you guys a chance to respond. I'm gonna make an invitation. The invitation is simple it's not if you wanna make a decision to come to church if you want to call the Christian, come up. The invitation and the call is simple. Will you get everything up to follow this man in Jesus? Will you be an usher of revival? Will you be a vessel for which God pours his spirit on and sparks revival? That is the call I want to make. I want to share a couple more stories to start off faith. Did you know that by profession, my life got changed completely upside down. I'm not a pastor. And I say that all the time So I don't want people to say Yo Danny you're a pastor I'm not a pastor <laughs> That is not my time, That's not my role That's not my job I don't get paid I'm not a pastor Right I'm just a son I'm a son Who works with his parents At a fish market I'm a fish man. <laughs> I clean fish And I gut fish as a living That's what I do That's my profession They ask me Danny what are you I said I'm well, a fisherman Ooh, you're like Peter Nope He caught fish I clean it. <laughs> Even in that moment my profession, my calling, I gave everything up to follow Jesus. All I do now, I just want to obey Jesus, where do I go next? Serve your parents. Yes, Lord. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Pray for the sick. Yes, Lord. My, 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 my store right now, my parents' store, we're on a fish market. And we began to pray, God, we want this fish market to really bless your people. We want people, when they come to this fish market, to encounter you. Last door and I'm going to close it. A few months ago, This customer, a clientele, this customer came to buy fish. Uh, A Spanish lady, a bit older, she comes in and she only speaks Spanish and she's a regular, so my dad knows her. Think about my dad, he speaks Spanish, but only when it comes to fish. Anything else he doesn't know. He just knows pescado, which means fish, limpio, which means clean, que, which means what, right? So that's all he knows. He knows numbers. And this lady comes in and my dad's like, oh, como estás, right? Oh, qué pasó, como estás? And she said something in Spanish that I didn't understand. But my dad pulls me over he's like, Danny, 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 can you pray for her? I'm like, yeah, I thought, what's going on? My dad's speaking to me in Korean, he's speaking to her in Spanish. I thought I was in a mission field, right? I got my translator. He's like, yeah, Danny, Danny. I think she has pain in her arm, And I look at the lady, she's like, no. right? I'm like, alright, I guess I thought guess, that's pretty good. That's pretty good interpretation. So I'm like, okay, senora, uh, great, right? It's like, okay, okay, and I'm like, I want to ask you, can I place my hand on you? Uh, manos, okay, right? She's like, okay, okay, right? And so I'm like, okay. But now I'm, I'm like about to pray, and she's looking at me, like that at me, and it's really awkward when you're about to pray, and someone's looking at you. So I said, okay, senora, <laughs> uh, hey, great, <laughs> right? Oh, okay, okay, and she closed her eyes and get to pray. In the name of Jesus, I command all pain in the shoulder to leave. I command all ligaments, all torn muscles, whatever it is, I command it to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And she's still praying. Amen. Amen. Right? So, okay, senora. Oh, good, bad, all right. I'm trying to ask her, can you test it out? I want to see. And so, she's like, oh. Oh, right? I'm like, whoa, and I asked her, ayer, which means yesterday, ayer, you, ooh, uh, ooh, uh. and she's like, no, ayer, uh, uh, right, <laughs> Lord, I'm trying so hard, I literally thought I was in the mission field, I'm like, oh my goodness, senora, senora, wow, wow, fuego, fuego, I use the ball to and say, no, fuego, fire, fuego, right, it's like, oh, oh, and she's showing me what she couldn't do before, She's like getting money and putting it in the tip jar and things like that. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. And then, she's, and then she comes up to me and she's like, gracias, 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 which means thank you, thank you, thank you. In that moment, I needed her to know that it was Jesus that healed her, not me. I needed her to know that. Or else she would go on her whole life thinking that a man named Danny healed her and not Jesus. So I said in my, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I got to tell him, ma'am, listen to me. I did not heal you. It was only Jesus Christ who healed you. Give him praise. Amen. That's what's happening in my mind. I'm getting ready to say it. And somewhere around here, I realized I don't speak Spanish. Somewhere, it wasn't my, perfect in my mind. Lady, it was not me. Give Jesus praise. But around here, I realized, oh, snap. I don't know this. How do I say this in Spanish? So I pray quickly. I pray, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of tongues in Spanish. <laughs> Some of y'all don't believe that. Okay. Right? So I Holy Spirit, I need you right now. Holy Spirit, help me. So I look at her dead in the eye with boldness. I gave my life to follow Jesus. I don't care if people think I'm weird. I don't care if people think I'm a loser. I don't want to live comfortably anymore. I want to give everything up I have to follow Jesus. If that means a, a Spanish lady who I cannot communicate with will know Jesus, it means a Spanish lady who I cannot communicate with will know Jesus. So I look her in the eye. Boldness is rising up inside her because of the Holy Spirit. I said, Senora, escucharme, Right? I don't even know that word. But apparently it means listen. Senora, escucharme. Me, nada. Solo Jesus Cristo! Amen! She's like, look at him. Solo Jesus Cristo! Amen! And she's like, Amen! 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 Literally the moment, I got to tell her. i was like, man, it was not me. Me, nada. Me, no. Only Jesus Christ! Amen! And in that moment, she knew it was Jesus Christ that healed her. Listen, listen, listen. I'm showing you all this not to tell you, oh man, Danny's so cool. Danny got great stories. I don't care about that. I just gave my life to follow this man named Jesus. He was so worth living for, so worth dying for. I want to be like John Allen Child, where I consider it a joy and a gift if I could fully live for Jesus, even unto death. Now, the question that I want to ask you guys, and the invitation I'm going to give you guys, is this. Will you make a decision tonight? Let tonight be tonight. I don't care about the decision we made in the past. Today's a new day. Let tonight be the night. Today is the day of salvation. Let tonight be the night where you make a decision once and for all. If I go to school, then I'm going to be a believer in school. If I go to work, I'm going to be a spirit-filled believer in work. Wherever I go, Jesus, I want to give my life fully for you. Everything I have, I choose to follow you, even unto death. Fame, I give up. Comfort, I give up. The American dream, I give up. Success, I give up. Reputation in the eyes of people, I give up. Jesus, compared to you, they're all rubbish. I want to make that call. Can Everyone stand with me. Can we get the lights in the back? <laughs> when I gave Jesus my life, my whole life changed completely. People did not even recognize me. I'm not making that up. I'm so serious. I meet mean, people from my days when I used to party with them. They're like, yo, Danny, what happened? Jesus happened. I Jesus <laughs> comes it says you're born again when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you're literally born again you're not their old self you're not their fears you're not their shame you're not their mistakes you have a whole new life in store for you but it comes at following Jesus at all costs so whatever your eyes close Holy Spirit I thank you right now all over this room God that decisions will be made tonight that will shape history God tonight will be the main moment where decisions are made that Palisades Park will be forever changed, where our families will be forever changed, but a decision must be made tonight. God, I ask of you, let the decision be even right now in our hearts to give you everything, to follow you at all costs. For this man named Jesus is worth living for and worth dying for. Jesus, you yourself paid the ultimate price. Jesus, you who was God even from the beginning of all creation. Gave everything up to come live as a man. Gave your life up and died so that we may now fully live in you. Jesus, you paid the price already. And the invitation is to come follow you. The invitation is to come step into this new reality. This new life that you have in store for us. But it starts when we give everything up. So on the count of three, I want you to fill this altar. At the altar, something must be sacrificed. Something must die. And I want to tell you guys clearly right now. What's going to die is your whole life. What needs to be sacrificed is your dreams and your visions. What needs to be sacrificed is your comfort, your complacency, the compromise. I don't care what sin you committed yesterday. I don't care what sin you committed three hours ago. This is the new moment. You can make a decision. So on the count of three, if that is you and you're saying, Danny, I'm here today, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus at all costs, to give everything I have up, to follow Jesus. I want to be an usher for revival. I want to be a vessel. God pours his spirit to bring about this natural revival that's about to sweep across Bergen County. If that's you on the count of I want you to fill this altar and to begin to cry out to Jesus. One, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died and gave everything up so that you may now believe in him. Two, there is hope. There is a future. There is a plan. God. Decision Decisions to follow you, God. Decisions to be an usher for Bible, God, and not an audience, God. I thank you. Come through this place. Come fill this place. Come fill this place. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We don't want nothing else. We just want to fully live for you, God. We taste the world, God. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.